Hello, friend. Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, the Precept Ministries Canada podcast. Please note that all episodes in this Romans podcast series were pre-recorded prior to the conflict that is happening in southern Israel near Gaza. We continue to promote the 2024 Precept Holy Land Tour of Israel and Jordan, and booking is still open. Israel is always on the brink of conflict as they have many enemies surrounding them. Each time we go on these tours, we understand that we are entering a nation that depends on tourism to propel its economy, and we know that Israel's enemies are next door. We constantly monitor the Canadian travel advisories, keep in contact with our tour agents in Israel, and pray for wisdom in whether we should proceed with the trip. Please be assured we will not travel to Israel if it is not safe to do so. We press on in praying for peace in Israel in the land God gave them. We now continue in segment four, living, loving, serving in light of the truth. Hello everyone, it's Mark Sheldrake here. This is another episode of Unlocking the Truth podcast, a ministry of Precept Ministries in Canada. So thankful that you are tuning in with us again. We're working our way through the book of Romans. Uh, Romans 13 is our episode this week. Wow, can't wait to get into Romans 13. Uh, that's been coming up a little bit uh, over the last uh, couple years, hasn't it? Anyway, looking forward to that time together. A couple of announcements for you as we work our way into this episode. If you want to join us on Israel Tour, uh, you can look on our website for the dates. They are April 3rd to the 15th. 2024 and uh, 45 spots available on the bus and registration is open we have registrations coming in and uh, we'd love for you to join us on the holy land tour and uh, again preceptministries.ca for all of the information uh, on the trip including the itinerary and all the wonderful sites that we are going to be going to. Also, exciting things happening in 2024. You can also look to our website as we will be doing a Footsteps of Paul tour to Greece, and that is going to be happening in September 2024. Uh, More details on the website as well, and you can go and we'll be doing a Bible study tour of some of the locations that Paul uh, was. We'll go to Patmos, where John wrote the book of Revelation, and that will to be a great opportunity to uh, see uh, the Bible uh, firsthand in the places where uh, the patriarchs of our faith have uh, walked. So looking forward to those two trips. You can also find out more about our workshops and our training that we're going to be offering uh, this fall and into the new year, and uh, you can uh, host training if you'd like. It'd be great to have training in your local church, and you can uh, send us details on that as well. Let me pray for our time together, and then we'll get right into the podcast. Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you for the tools and the technology that are in place. We thank you for our team that does all the work to get this online and communicated and promoted. And we thank you for our listeners who are uh, dedicated to to listening to this podcast um, as it releases. Lord, we're so thankful that we can 
use this platform to teach the Word of God, but Lord, also that people would be engaging in study themselves and learning uh, what the Scriptures say and coming into a greater relationship with you. So Lord, be with us now as we look at episode 13, chapter 13 in Romans. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Folks, I have to uh, thank you before we get involved. Our podcast that started out uh, a couple of years ago has really started to grow. It's it's getting some legs, folks. We have uh, we're about to hit uh, seventy thousand plays on our podcast, and we are now in twenty one countries. 21 countries are listening to the podcast, and so I'm thankful for that. I mean, we we created this for some content coming out of Canada, but also as an encouragement to those in our country, and this is picked up into the United States and another and many other countries. And so thank you for, for listening. Thank you for committing your time to be uh, on the podcast and uh, I just pray that it is a blessing for for you as you um, you listen in and you, uh, Lord willing, participate in your own study of uh, the topics that we're looking at. We're going to the book of Jude. Uh, this this is episode fourteen. I should get that right, of course. But we've only got two episodes remaining uh, in the Romans, and then we're going to be looking at the book of Jude. And uh, I can't wait to get into that as well. So let's look at context. And this is going to be the key for us moving through uh, Romans 13. And so context is king. And what is the context of chapter 13? Well, of course, we know as we break down the segments of Romans that chapters 12 to 16 is really how to live out the doctrine that we've learned. But it's not only just to live out the doctrine that we've learned in chapters 1 to 11, but it's all how to live it out in light of serving one another. And so we've looked at how uh, we are to be uh, transformed by the renewing of our mind. We're to die to ourself and to our own ambitions we are to live uh, that life that brings glory and honor to God. When we renew our mind, we're, we're changing our thought patterns from uh, our own desires to following the will of God for our life, which is obedience to His Word. And so this really becomes the important context here. And before we even dive in, to Romans 13 itself. And we, we have to set up Romans 13 um, this week because I don't want to say it's been used out of context, but Romans 13 has dropped from a lot of pulpits in the last two years. And the, the reason it's dropped into the pulpits in the last couple of years is because Everybody is talking about government, and everybody's talking about leadership and what leadership and governments are doing. All right, we've seen here in Canada, we've seen that uh, many, many Christians have joined in 
in the fight against uh, the liberal government of Canada uh, when it came to the COVID restrictions or uh, the belief that many of these people believe that their freedoms are being taken away because of the pandemic. Uh, We saw that big trucker uh, protest in Ottawa. Many Christians drove down to participate in the uh, protests against the government and the lockdowns, uh, screaming tyranny to to the fact that the liberal government was in control. And the whole principle of, and I think social media has a large part to play in all of this because we just, it's almost impossible to determine true facts from things that are made up. And so where we've got is everything's become so polarized uh, and everything's so polarized polarized in the country. Uh, we've now got this um, great hate on for the liberal government that we've got in place. We see it in the United States as well. We see the big arguments and debates between uh, a Democrat and Republican and who should be the leader and and uh, you know the wars of Donald Trump and Joe Biden and all of those things. But what we need to remind ourselves when we look at all of that stuff, all right? So we know that the world is polarized and uh, polarized and we we understand, you know the 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 discussion is, uh, there's things you don't talk about at the family dinner table, and that is religion and politics and all of these things that come out of this. And Romans 13, it's just come up all the time. Like everywhere we turn, Romans 13 is being quoted uh, in light of where we're living because everything is polarized. But here's the context. Romans 12. We died to ourselves. We were raised, okay? And through Romans, he teaches that we were raised in newness of life, raised in the, in the newness of spirit. We're not the people that we used to be, which means we're no longer citizens of the world. Uh, Paul says in Philippians 3.20 that, that our citizenship is in heaven, that we are actually sojourners in the land. We're just living in this land temporarily, and we know that our permanent home is heaven. That doesn't mean that uh, we don't want to be aware of what's happening in the world here, but it does mean that this is all temporary and that our focus should be, and we're going to see this as we go through, that our focus should be Christ kingdom work, and what God is doing in our country, all right, and what God can use us for. I mean, this whole thing that's happening within our world right now, the polarization of politics, uh, we have people rising up against the governments because of the individual leader who's in charge. Uh, and we're seeing the way that non-Christians are responding. This is not just something that's happening in the United States and it's happening in Canada. This is a global issue, a global issue of the polarization of politics. 
And again, social media plays a massive role in that because you've got more stuff that's being produced in things like Facebook and Twitter, uh, video content that might come out in TikTok or some of these other programs. And those things are designed to put you at odds with one another over things like parties and politics and all that. It's, it's to cause division. And when we look at that, uh, either way, whether you're listening to one news program or listening to another news program, none of those programs are just pure fact-based. They are driven by narratives, and we've got to understand that those narratives can either uh, twist us one way or twist us the other way. And we've got to be aware of those things. So now, but Romans 13, because context again, Romans 12, is how to live in a way in serving one another, Paul's continuing that in Romans 13 with respect to authorities. All right. And so let's be be careful here to understand that Romans 13 is actually 14 verses and not seven verses. All right. So the first seven verses really focus on government, but there's 14 verses in there. A lot of the times we're looking at uh, messages that are dropping from the pulpit in the last couple of years, and they're solely focused on those first seven verses. But there's 14 there. And so today we're going to look at all 14 verses, and we're going to look at uh, four motives for being obedient to the authorities that are above us. All right. Four motives into being obedient to authorities. All right. So again, context is king. So let me give you some historical context for the time that Paul was writing this book. All right. So uh, the Romans were in charge and uh, we believe Romans was written between 52 and 56 AD. That's uh, probably around 10 years prior to a time in the history of the church known as Nero's reign of persecution. If you've not had the opportunity to look at Nero's reign of persecution, here's some information. It happened in 64 AD. Roman suffered, Rome had suffered a fire uh, that burned for six days and seven nights, and it consumed three quarters of the city of Rome. Uh, the people, they turned on Nero, and they said that he started the fire himself just to be uh, for entertainment, to amuse himself that he started the fire. And so Nero, because he did not like the people coming at him and blaming him for this fire, he deflected the accusations and he blamed the Christians living in Rome. 
Uh, he ordered the arrest and the persecution of a small group of people. And then that led uh, the arrest of that small sect of Christian believers, uh, arresting them, uh, persecuting them. This then opened the door for Nero to then go and attack the entire Christian population. And so this door opened for persecution of all people who professed Jesus as Lord and Savior. Uh, Here's some of the things that Nero did to Christians. The first is that Nero would take uh, the hides of animal skins and he would put them on the Christians and then he would send them out into the streets where the dogs would attack the people and kill them and then eat them, uh, eat their bodies. All right, that's one thing that he did. The other thing that he did was he took Christians and he hung them on crosses. And they not only crucified them like Jesus was crucified, but Nero lit them on fire. He lit those crosses on fire. And not only did he burn people on the cross during the day, he also put Christians on the cross and burned them at night. And the lit bodies of these Christian people were used like lights to brighten up the streets. Needless to say that living in the time of Nero's reign of persecution was not an easy time for believers. The persecution was immense. People were losing their lives. They were being arrested. They were being beaten. They were being scourged. Uh, Some were used in gladiator games. Others were used just to be sent out to be food for the dogs. The entire New Testament and all the letters that Paul and Peter and, and others wrote, they talked about the suffering that would come. Even in the Gospels, it discussed the suffering that would come for being counter-cultural. That for following in the footsteps of Jesus, we would face persecution, and so Paul and Jesus and the other, God, the other letter writers all point to the importance for the Christian to persevere in the midst of suffering and that they persevere until the time of Christ's return. And so for us to understand is that the very fact that as a Christian— All right, we are like salmon who swim upstream. It's a difficult go. We are going to face persecution. If we walk in the footsteps of Jesus, if we walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, we are going to face suffering. It's a part of the package of being a believer in Christ Jesus. You see, what we've gone through in the last two years with the global pandemic and 
and the feeling that we're losing our freedoms, well, just get used to that very fact. It's because that's what comes with the gospel. All right, that's what we need to understand is that, you know, we've had it pretty good in North America. Unlike some of the other countries that Precept is involved in that faces persecution and suffering from governments and police forces on a regular basis because they're told not to preach the word of God. In places like China and Russia and other locations where where we might have people working for the ministry, they face life and death every single day for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some face arrest, they go, they get arrested, they get interrogated, they get put back on the street, and they go back and teach the word of God the next day. That's just a part of their lifestyle. They know that that comes with the package of being a Christian. Here, it rocks us to the core when we start to face persecution and suffering from the authorities for what we're doing because it's totally new to us. But Romans 13, it tells us those four motives that we have. And I want to say right now, and and let's put this out there, that our culture, the North American culture, be aware of this. We are nowhere near close to what it looks like to be in the time of Nero's reign of persecution. I can still go to the local Starbucks and I can open my Bible and I can study the Word of God sitting at a table filled with all different people and different religions um, and different ideologies and not be bothered for what I'm doing. So we still have a lot of freedoms to, to preach the Word of God. We still have abilities. And you know what? The one thing that I love about Precepts International Ministry is that Precepts international ministry never does ministry the same way. They continue to adapt and change, but the message never changes. And so they keep doing uh, ministry moving forward. If the government shuts down one way, they change and figure out another way to bring the gospel to the people of the world. And so that's where we need to be on our toes, and we'll look more at that in just a few moments. So here's the four motives for obeying human government. And they are the first one. The first one is motive number one, which is for wrath's sake. Or we can better word that for for the fear of wrath's sake. Let's look at Romans 13 uh, verses 1 to 4. Every person is to be in in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear, for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have a fear of authority? Do do what is right or do what is good and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good. 
But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. All right, so let's look at this uh, and break down these four, four verses, understanding that our first motive is for wrath's sake. Uh, every person in verse uh, 1 of chapter 13, every person, okay, so uh, notice how Paul's using some words there and not giving us selective people. Every person, unbeliever and believer, Jew, Gentile, it doesn't matter. If you have a heartbeat, you are sub- subject to the governing authorities. This here in the Greek is not an option. This is a command. All right. And so uh, we are to be in subjection, uh, which means to be under. We are to be under the governing authorities. And so uh, because this is a command, uh, Paul goes on to tell us that uh, these things were instituted by God. All right, so God has instituted four authorities on this earth. All right, so let me give you these four authorities that he's put in place. Uh, Government over citizens. That's the first one. Church over all believers. That's number two. Number three is parents over all children. And the third one, maybe the one we don't like, but it is master over employee, or as we would know, employer over employee. The, these are the four uh, authorities that have been placed on this earth, and they have been established by God. Uh, God has put these things in place to bring order to the world. All right, so he's got these things to be in order for the world because if they weren't in place, the world would be absolute chaos. Look at what we're going through now. People who resist the governing authorities that are over them. Uh, we've got chaos. Uh, we are in a place where we, we're seeing that chaos happen. We've seen where in the United States, where you go up against the governing authorities and you have uh, buildings burning down and streets that are on fire. Chaos. When, when there's no respect for the authority that's been put in place, you have complete chaos. Who would have ever thought a number of years ago that it would be completely okay to take out a gun and walk up to a police car and shoot a policeman uh, in the car. No respect for the governing authorities leads to chaos. And so we're seeing that happen all around the world. We're seeing where things are changing drastically, that even some of the laws of the land that governments have put in place, they are changing those uh, rules and it's creating chaos. And so we need to understand that uh, God has put these 
four institutes in place, these authorities on earth. And he said, and he, Paul says in here that when whoever resists authority has posed, opposed the ordinance of God. The ordinance is the laws or the orders or the practices that God has put in place. All right, so when we resist authority, we resist God because God is the one who established the authority that we have. All right, so here, here's something for us to, 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 to think about because this is where the battle comes in. The battle comes in, well, how can I submit to this government when they're doing all of these things that they're currently doing or whether it be lock down this or lock down that, or this is happening in the in the world. Uh, these this is what's going on in our schools and all this stuff that is happening. Uh, the Bible is clear that the order of what He has put in place, the ordinances or the the institutes that we've mentioned, the four things that God has put in them in place to have chaos. But here's the thing that you need to understand, folks. And you know what? This is not what I hear all the time when I've listened to some of these Roman 13 passages and sermons. Uh, Throughout Scripture, let's be very clear on this, that throughout Scripture, we have seen God establish authority. And God will put leaders in place for two reasons. First, a leader is put in place And that reason a leader can be put in place is to bless a nation, to bless a country. All right. We saw that um, in the life of Josiah in Kings and Chronicles, uh, Josiah purged the land of all of the idols. And during Josiah's reign, God brought blessings and success on them. When Solomon first started his reign with his intentions of being obedient to God, he brought uh, great success. David brought great success and blessing because of his obedience to God, to the, na- to the nation of Israel. But in Second Chronicles chapter 25, verse 20, and chapter 32, uh, verses 24 and 25, you have the opposite, that God not only puts people in place for the purpose of blessing, but he also puts people in place for trials and for judgment. These things are hard for us to to comprehend because God is a sovereign God and he is the one who puts kings in place and he will take and remove kings. But uh, let's look at Second uh, Chronicles, uh, verse twenty-five, uh, chapter twenty-five, verse twenty, and listen to what he says here. Uh, Amaziah would not listen, for it was g- from God that he might deliver into the hand of Joash, because they had sought the gods of Edom. So um, Amaziah also not following after God, and he didn't listen. But then Hezekiah, uh, the great example, uh, him being king during the sieges of ba- by Babylon, listen to what uh, 
Second Chronicles 32 uh, tells us in 24 and uh, 25. So in 24 and 25, in those days, Hezekiah became mortally ill and he prayed to the Lord and the Lord spoke to him and gave him a sign. But Hezekiah gave no return for the benefit he received because his heart was proud. Therefore, wrath came on him and on Judah and Jerusalem. All right. So uh, the text tells us that that God puts these these leaders in place and we can be judged because of the way those leaders lead away from God. And I'm telling you folks that I I believe that sometimes we have the leaders in place because as the country goes and as the culture goes, we get the leader we deserve. As we're not being obedient to to the calling of Christ in our lives and and as a as a nation that we can be uh, like the remnant of followers, we can be the people who are trying to do our best for the government, but the country gets what they deserve, and and we uh, can have that leadership leading us. But this is the point that we've got here, is that God can use these people to bring condemnation and judgment upon themselves. Uh, this judgment that is coming, let's look at that, that comes from uh, Romans 13. Therefore, whoever risks, uh, resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they have opposed, and they who have opposed re- receive condemnation upon themselves. So here comes that condemnation and judgment back, and it's not the same condemnation and judgment where we would face the wrath of God, because we know through the through. Chapters 1 to 11, therefore there's no condemnation. We have been justified that we are in right standing with God. That's if we've died to ourselves and we are to uh, live a life obedient to Jesus. We're not being condemned for, for that. But this condemnation or this judgment is one judgment that comes from the governing authority. All right. So when we resist and when we go against the laws and the ordinances and the and the governance of the land, uh, we can face condemnation. We can face uh, judgment for that. Well, we, we know that because we see that when people break laws, uh, they get arrested and s- some people go to jail and some people are fine, but uh, this condemnation is uh, going against what the government has put in place. All right, listen to what uh, uh, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 26, verse 52. Uh, he says, Then Jesus said to him, uh, Put your sword back in its place, for all those who take up the sword shall perish. So this is at the time of Judas betraying Jesus, and when Peter takes out the sword and strikes the one coming to arrest Jesus and uh, takes off his ear. And so uh, he says, Peter, put your sword away against the governing authority because you will uh, face the sword and perish. You will get judgment and condemnation for 
for behaving in that way. The government will come against you. Now, look at verse 3 of Romans 13. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. All right, so here, here's the thing that Paul wants us to understand. All right, this is that there's no reason, Paul says, to fear governments or rulers as their general purpose in the way that God designed okay, this leadership is that the purpose of these ordinances and rules is to bring about good behavior. It's to keep the order. Without the order, there is chaos. And so only those who do evil should live in fear of the ruling authorities. Wait, wait, don't hit stop. Don't don't hang up, you know, don't let go of listening to the podcast because you're probably thinking if you're if you're listening now and you're one of those folks like I can't believe that the government that I have in place is has the purpose of bringing out good behavior. Remember that the structure that what God put in place that was designed to keep order instead of chaos. And what do we do then when we have an evil government? What do we do when we have a government that tells us that there are things that we are not supposed to do? Well, we have examples in, chac- in Acts chapter 4 and five. And we have the example of Peter and John. And when they are preaching the gospel, they are answering about the gospel. And they are told by the council that they are to stop preaching the word of God, that they are to uh, be quiet. And he said in, ver- in Acts chapter 4, verse 18, Uh, Verse 17, he says, But so that it will not spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no longer to any man in the name of Jesus. And when they summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you, rather than to God, you be the judge." For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. When they had threatened them further, they let them go, finding no basis on which to punish them on the account of people, because they were all glorifying God for what happened. For the man was uh, more than 40 years old, whom this miracle of healing had been performed." Uh, when they had been released, they went to their companions and reported that the chief priests and elders and had said to them, and they lifted their voices with God to God with one accord and said, O Lord, it is you who made the heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. And by the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of our father, David, your servant, he said, uh, why did the Gentiles rage and the people devise futile plans? The kings of the earth took their stand. 
the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. Uh, For truly in the city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, but Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and all the people to Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to to occur. And then he says in verse 29, Now, Lord, take note of their hearts. Grant your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence, while he extended your hand to heal, and signs and wonders take place in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And so as a part of this prayer, this is the thing. When we are coming up against an evil government, we need to we need to look and see what it is that the government is opposing us. What are the freedoms that are being taken away from us? And if the freedom is like what Peter and John had, where they're not allowed to preach the gospel anymore, then you've got to go to the higher authority. You've got to go to the authority that's above the governing authority on the earth, and that authority above the governing authority on earth is God. And you've got to be obedient to Him and Him alone. But notice the context. It's so important for us to understand that governments, as they are to keep the order and keep things out of chaos and bring about good behavior, sometimes we have evil governments and they are telling us to do things that go against the commands of God. Go with the commands of God first and then look at and evaluate what exactly is it? What exactly is the freedom that I'm losing? What am I losing? And then determine uh, whether that, am I losing the ability to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to the nations that so desperately need to hear it? Is that the freedom I'm losing? If that's the freedom you're losing, you go against that authority, and you follow the authority that is above those ordinances that God put in place. Look at another example in Exodus chapter 1, verses 15 to 21. So Exodus chapter 15, uh, or chapter 1, verses 15 to 21. The king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shifra, and the other was named Pua. And he said, When you are helping the Hebrew women to give birth and see them upon the birth stool, if it is a son, then you shall put him to death. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. But the midwives feared God. It did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them, but let the boys live. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this thing and let the boys live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwives can get to them. God was good to the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very mighty. Because the midwives feared God, he established households for them. Pharaoh commanded all the people, saying, Every son who was born you are to cast into the Nile, and every daughter you are to keep alive. 
the midwives, what they did was they had the command from the ruling authority above them, which was Pharaoh, to, to, to kill every son as it was coming out of the womb. The midwives didn't do that because they feared God. They chose to fear God more than they chose to fear the authorities. Remember Philippians 3.20, that our citizenship is in heaven, that this is a temporal living place, that we're here living, sojourning in the land, waiting for the return of Jesus Christ, the ultimate authority who will one day reign on his throne, uh, which is coming up in one of our next points, but hang it thou in there. And so God is the ultimate authority. He's put all the authority structures in place. And let's be careful here, because what Paul is telling us in Romans 13 is he's not saying that being subject to the governing authority means that we are to be obedient into walking into sin if the government tells us to walk into sin. If the government tells us to do something morally wrong, our purpose and our goal as citizens of heaven is to follow that governing authority and be obedient to God. But, a big but, remember this. Don't forget it. Write it down. Ingrain it in your mind. If you choose, and I hope you do, choose to be obedient to God above going against what is morally right in the Word of God, that you are going to face condemnation. You are going to pay a price from that governing authority. You may be arrested. You may be put on trial. And that is the reality of what it's like to live as a sojourner in this land, being more obedient to God than it is to the governing authority. And so what I would say and clearly encourage each one who's listening is ask yourself, does it go against the principles of biblical truth? And if you're told to go into the fashion and form and be molded into the world and the way the world is thinking that's contrary to the Word of God, you can't be obedient to that. You've got to be obedient to the Word of God. Now, we're not going to get into the whole uh, look and feel of what all these churches were doing during the pandemic as, as a temporal you know, shutdowns and all those things and looking at, did they have the better, you know, uh, better idea and principle for us to, to protect us? Or was this a hoax? None of that stuff. None of that stuff is important, folks. What's important is us living in light of the gospel and being obedient to Jesus. Don't get distracted by all those other things. Our, our goal is to be uh, fearful of God, reverence to God, than it is to fear the wrath that might come from governing authorities. But understand that there would be a price to pay if you go against the laws of the land. 
All right, so that's enough on those first four verses. And um, maybe I'll get some emails from that. Maybe I won't. We'll see what happens because it is quite controversial in discussion. Motive number two, uh, for our conscience sake, uh, we should be obedient to the and subject to the authorities above us for our conscience sake. Verses five to seven. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. All right, so if uh, fear isn't the motivator to uh, keep you going, uh, it can be a horrible motivator as well. But we need to be people uh, who sub subject ourselves for the sake of conscience. Listen to what uh, Paul says in Romans uh, chapter 9, verse 1. I'm telling the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit. All right? So the Holy Spirit uh, working in us and speaking to us about doing good. That's the purpose of the helper, is to help us to be conformed into the image of Christ and bring conviction to us when we are not doing good. Uh, 1 Timothy, let's look at 1 Timothy uh, chapter uh, 1, verse 5, and let's look at uh, the principle of a good conscience. Uh, listen to what Paul says uh, here. But the goal of our instruction is to love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Uh, this is kind of the the basis of our living. All right. Well, what would let's look at the opposite of good conscience. And so Titus addresses the principle of a bad conscience. All right. So uh, first uh, Titus chapter one verse fifteen. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled in unbelieving, nothing is pure, but both them, uh, both their mind and their conscience are defiled. And so there's a path. There's a there's a path that we can see when it comes to the conscience within us. A defiled conscience leads to a callous conscience. So let's look at the example of a callous conscience in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verse 2. Uh, but the Spirit explicitly says in the later times that some will fall away from the faith, pay attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines. That's verse 1. By the means of hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience, with a branding iron. And so a callous or a seared conference, conscience, this, uh, a good conscience is having the right motives and the right way to, to live in light of love and pursuing God, but there's the bad one that is to pursue my own desires, pursuit of my own desires leads to a calloused, uh, or seared conscience where nothing is pure. It's all about myself. 
And that calloused or seared conscience, as Paul says, leads to uh, 1 Timothy uh, 1.19, which is a rejected conscience. Keeping faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck in regarding in regard to their faith. And so uh, what Paul says here is that this rejected conscience is the rejection of doing what is good and what we know is to be right. And so this is the thing for us as believers and a citizen of heaven one who is sojourning in the land, a believer in Jesus Christ should be the best example of a citizen in this world. We should be the shining example for every person in the world. And look what he says, by good, pon- by good conscience and being in subjection, to the governing authorities, do good, do what is right. And he says, pay your taxes. Do what you're supposed to do. Be obedient to the governing authorities, of course, unless it goes against what the scriptures tell us and how to live. But be a good citizen. That's what he's telling us to do. Uh, Pay customs, show honor to officials, pray for them. Don't be against them. Because remember, everything has been put in place by God. But before we leave this section and we move into the next section, it's very important for us to note that nowhere in Romans 13 does it say anything that we are to not be people who are seeking a better government. We can be people who seek better leadership above us. We can be people that want to seek having Christians in leadership. We can be people praying that God would put the right leaders in place to turn our nation back towards God. But we've also got to understand that under the subjection of the governing authority, under those ordinances and laws, that there is a proper and lawful way to seek that new government. And we know that living in North America, that that lawful way to seek a new government is through the democratic process of voting. If you want to see change in your nation, and you want to see the right leaders in place, you got to go and vote. You got to do that part. You got we got to pray that God puts brings the right candidates and puts them in place. Maybe we could even be the right candidates to go and run in those places of leadership. But then we've got to do what 
a part of that government governing law and that way that puts it in place is seek the government through the ballot. All right, so first is that our motive is uh, for for the for fear for wrath's sake. Second is for conscience sake, and we've got to get moving here. Uh, the third motive is for love's sake. All right, so uh, verses eight to ten. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another, for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. covet. If there's any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is not is the fulfillment of the law. Context is king here, folks. This passage is not about money. It's not about borrowing money. It's not about paying all of your debts. This passage is focused on love. It's talking about the importance of loving your neighbor. The New Testament does not define neighbor by your address, does not define it by the person who lives next door to you or across the street. Uh, In the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10, verse 36, Jesus, he said, which one of these three who stopped by the, the man wounded proved to be a good neighbor? Uh, Verse 7 tells us, render what is due. Owe nothing. All right. So, you know, you don't want to uh, have that debt because those things can create animosity between people. But love, the only debt that you should continually have and be keep paying out, paying out, paying out, paying out is love. Keep giving love and doing good. Uh, Matthew chapter 5 uh, verse 42, listen to what uh, Matthew writes in these verses. Matthew 5, uh, verse 42. He tells us in that verse, uh, Give him who asks of you, and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. Uh, love your neighbor. Meet your neighbor's needs. The, the whole purpose is love. The whole foundation of these verses is love. John 6, 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You know what? The world was in need, and God gave his Son. You see, the reality is, that more people are going to be one to the gospel of Jesus Christ through love than they are through strife. It's important for us to remember that the motive for us is love. A Christian who is walking in love is the best citizen and the best witness to the world. We can be difference makers in the world. Here's the last one. Here's the last motive that we come to, and it is we are motivated to be subject to the governing authorities above us. All four of them is for the sake of Jesus. In Romans chapter 13, 
uh, verses 11 to 14. Do this knowing that the time that is already the hour for you to awaken from your sleep. For now salvation is nearer to, to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone. The day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity, sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Uh, We see the word uh, salvation in verse 11. Uh, For now salvation is nearer to us. This salvation that Paul is talking about, well, it's not the salvation that we've received in Jesus, but it is. It's Christ's second coming. It's closer to us now, and he is going to return. And because he's going to return, he tells us that we need to be awake, to not be spiritually apathetic, to not be uh, downtrodden and losing heart about what is happening in the world around us. We can be involved and we can see what's going on in our government. We can get frustrated over it, but it can't consume us. It cannot be the only thing that we focus on because that's not what our purpose is. Our purpose is, yes, we can strive to have better government leaders in place, but we can be the best citizens by being subject to all the authorities that are above us. We can be the best citizens if we are uh, throwing out love more than we're throwing out strife. We're going to be way better witnesses for the gospel through love than we are for going against the grain of uh, loving our neighbors and doing all those wonderful things. But the motivation for us to live a life worthy of the gospel is that Jesus is coming back. And we need to be ready for his return. The Bible addresses this, and we're going to look at two cross-references where he talks about the importance of us being ready for the return of Jesus. And the first one is found in the book of Titus. All right, and so in Titus, we're going to see this in chapter 2, verses 11 to 13. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, No longer Romans 12. Don't live like you used to and be conformed to the world. You are to live the transformed life, living a life that brings glory and honor to God, looking for the return of Jesus Christ, because it's coming, Paul says. The time is nearer for his return. Look at uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 to 11. He says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. 
be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God, and whoever serves is to do as though serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom before the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We're to keep serving, speaking, as though we are doing this for the purpose of glorifying God. We're to be uh, sober of spirit, to be awake. Uh, Second Peter tells us to be looking for and hastening the coming day of God. And so when he comes into back into Romans 13, Paul is telling us through Romans 12, you're different. You're not who you used to be. You used to be conformed to the world, but now you're transformed. And a part of being transformed is being in subjection and being respectful of those four positions of leaders that are above you. That includes your boss, your parent, your church, and your government. All of those things. Be a good citizen. Seek out the common good, as he said in chapter 12. All of these things we are to be doing. And he's telling us to behave properly. That sin no longer reigns in our life and should not be a part of a believer. That because Christ is returning soon, we need to be living a life that brings glory and honor to God. He tells us in verse 14, put on Christ. This is mentioned multiple times through the Bible. Put on Christ. And let's look at a couple. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verse um, 18. 2 Corinthians 3, 18. Listen to what he says. Uh, but we, with all unveiled face, beholding in a manner of glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord of the spirit. We are people being transformed. We no longer look like the world anymore. We no longer live by the teachings of the world. We live by the teachings of scripture and we want to be conformed into the image of Christ, not into the the image and shape of the world. Galatians chapter 4 verse 19. Galatians 4:19 my children, with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you. Be like Jesus. Here's another one. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Brethren, I do not regard myself as laying hold of it yet, but, on, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. You want to know what the prize is? Well, you can go back and listen to the Philippians podcast, but the prize is being like Christ. And so all of this is getting ready for the return of Jesus Christ. Listen to 1 John, 1 John chapter 3, uh, verses 2 and 3. Beloved, now we are children of God, 
It has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. There is coming a time when Jesus Christ is going to return and he's going to set up his government. You know, we can get all up in arms about what our government is doing. And I'll be honest with you, I don't like what our government is doing, but I still get to preach the word of God. I get to preach it on this podcast. I haven't been shut down yet. Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, none of them have shut us down. We can still send the word of God out through the airwaves of the internet get to travel around the country teaching the Word of God, and I'm going to keep doing that. Even when I'm told not to, I'm going to keep preaching it. I'm going to keep preaching and talking about what the biblical definition of marriage is. I'm going to keep talking about the truth of God's Word. We've already come back from doing the Truth Speaks workshop, and I would challenge you to bring that Truth Speaks workshop to you because we are going to keep teaching the Word of God no matter what. Never stop until the return of Jesus Christ. My motivation to live a life as a good citizen of of this country, to be subject to all governing authorities, whether it be government, church, be parent or employer, employee, that I want to glorify Christ in all that I do because I am different than one of the world. And you see, this is what we need to understand, is that As we inch closer to the return of Jesus Christ, I want you to be aware of this, that governments are going to get more evil. Study 2 Thessalonians, and you will see what will happen in the final days of the tribulation. Who will be in charge, and what is going to happen, and what is going to be commanded down from the top of the leaders that are there. They will command idol worship. They will command taking on marks of the beast. And if you don't follow those things, you will die. And so we know that lawlessness is going to increase. And that as we inch closer to the return of Jesus Christ, we can look forward to the day that Christ sits on his throne that Satan has been bound, that the false prophet and the beast have been cast into the lake of fire, that you and I, as believers in Jesus Christ, we will sit with Jesus and we will reign. And that's what we look forward to. That's the government that we seek. That's what we want to see happen as believers in Jesus. But until that time, we need to be good citizens of the world. We need to be people that look and we use these four motives to live in light of glorifying Jesus Christ. 64 AD Christians under the reign of Nero and his persecution. These Christians, they went to the cross, crucified like Jesus, but lit on fire so that their bodies lit the streets for Romans. They wore these animal skins on their bodies and then they were mauled and attacked and killed by dogs. As we inch closer to the return of Jesus, we must understand 
that as much as Romans 13 applied to the church in Rome when they read it in 64 AD, when they read it in 52 and 56 AD, that Romans 13 still applies to us today. Why? Because it is the inspired word of God. It is God's very voice speaking to us in the book of Romans, telling us how we are to live in this world until Christ's return. I want to look at one more passage with you before we wrap up, and that comes from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses, verse 12 to chapter 4, verse 5. And just listen to what Paul says in these verses regarding our subject today. Verse 12 says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become of convinced of knowing from whom you have learned them, that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequately equipped for every good work. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is judge, is to judge the living and the dead by his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. They will turn away their ears from the truth and they will turn aside to miss. But you, be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. Christ is coming, folks. Get out there. Live a life that brings glory and honor to God. Do good. Be obedient to the word of God and preach it to all that will hear. Father, we do thank you for the time that you have given us today. We thank you for Romans 13 and all that it has in there. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts today and you would challenge us to, to really uh, have us think about how we live in light of these commands. Lord, do we, do we look different from the world? Do we, do we live our lives in subjection to you and understanding that all those leaders that we have in place and all those authorities that are above us, you put that practice and that standard into place. And Father, we do know that we have governments that don't align to your word. We know that we have leaders that don't align to your word, that are pushing agendas that are, are sinful and disgraceful. And Lord, we pray for their souls and we pray that 
somebody within that government would have the opportunity to preach the gospel to them and their lives would be transformed. That by their transformation, that they would seek to do good in your eyes and not good for the appeasement of the people. And Lord, if those people are people that aren't there for the purpose to serve you, that you would raise up people to be in government that would seek to do good for you. We thank you for ministries that work within the government and work with our local government people to to chaplain them and pray for them and to encourage them to live by biblical principles. We thank you for the Christians that are in government. We know how hard it is for them to serve in those places. Help them to stand strong and endure the hardship and continue to do the work of an evangelist. That their lives would be an impact on others. That people would see Jesus in them. Father, we pray for the day that your son Jesus comes and returns and rules over this land and rids it of evil. It's a great day to come. We're excited for it. We're looking for it, and we want to hasten it, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We appreciate you in joining us in this series of Unlocking the Truth with Preset Ministries Canada. Visit our website, presetministries.ca, to find in-person and online studies and workshops that will further your journey in His Word and give you the tools to know God deeply and live differently.